This episode may contain themes that are unsettling for some listeners and includes dialogue that is inappropriate for children under 14. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey, juicers, I'm Melissa. And I'm Brooke. And this is For God's Sake. Don't drink the Jones juice. Welcome back to episode 19. Hey, hey. <laughs> How many weeks is that? A lot. A lot of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, four weeks in a month. Four, eight, it's like, like almost five months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gee, what the hell? <laughs> Doesn't seem like it. Mm-mm. Thank you guys for sticking with us definitely for sure um and since brooke you're not in the facebook group anymore (laughs) i just want to also mention on the podcast that we have started an among us group chat for all of our listeners um so that it's just a group chat for dropping codes um just in case you want to play with people that are not like super random people um we have a lot of fun in there so if you want to join just um, there's a post in there. You can just comment on it and I'll add you to the group. Um, is it like a messenger group? Yeah, it's like oh, a okay. messenger group and people just like take a screenshot of the code and like put it in the group and then people join and cool. It's a lot of fun. So yeah. All right. <laughs> also, we have some exciting news. Um, Brooke and I are partnering with, um, Zen Expressions um, which is a uh, shirt design business um, by Vanessa Bailey. And she is making us um, some, for God's sake, don't drink the Jones juice shirts. And they are so cute. So cute. She, um, she's, they're going to be tie-dye, just so you guys know. She does all of this by hand, all by herself. So um, we're excited to release the product, which will probably be tomorrow. Ooh. Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> um, she also wanted me to say that um, if you join this in Expressions VIP group on Facebook, it's just a Facebook group. You just hit the join button and then you're in there. And you place a custom order um, using the code JUICER, you will get 20% off. So hell yeah all of her stuff is super super cute so do it (laughs) yeah i can't wait to see the shirts i can't wait to get my hands on one same same our store frontier is still up you guys so that's still there too that option if you want something from there um i did recently just create a couple of new designs but you know you guys will check it out so you wouldn't know (laughs) (laughs) But definitely check out these. And and the cool thing about Vanessa doing these shirts for us is basically we'll kind of have them on hand. So you can pick them up directly from me at my shop or yeah. Alyssa if you're closer to her area. Um, and you don't have to wait, you know, two, three weeks for your T-shirt from a website. So that's right. a super big perk. Yes. Yeah. Store Frontier takes forever to send out shirts because... I don't even know why. <laughs> because, I mean, and they're local, which is even more Yeah, they're based in Atlanta, it. so it's I weird. Mean, it's been cool. They've been good quality, you know. And like I said, still check them out. We've got cool stuff on there. But uh, if you want something quicker and super cute, you know, check out uh, 
the shirts will be posting soon. Yeah, honestly, they'll probably be better than Store Frontier shirts, but mm-hmm. even though Store Frontier, I like all of our shirts on there. Mm-hmm. These are just, they're more unique. Definitely. Like and every shirt that you buy, or not every shirt that you buy, but like uh, you and then the other people who buy the shirts, all of them will look different because they're hand, hand done. Made. Yeah, hand done, whatever. Yeah. So that's exciting. I'm I'm actually very, very excited for that. Yes. Yep. Um, is that everything or do we have anything else? I don't think we really have anything too exciting going on. Um, no. Oh, yeah. I lost my kid today. <laughs> lost your kid? I lost my kid today. What do you mean? <laughs> is this why you were having like such a shit morning? Yeah. Okay. Well, I need to know about this. Oh, did I not tell you in the garage? No, you didn't. You just said Titus did something horrible. But I think I was trying to tell you and then something happened. Okay. Tell me. Okay. So... Um, <clears throat> He's, he did this once before. You you know that story. But basically, so his dad left to go to Dairy Queen. And Dairy Queen, Dairy, Dairy, Dairy Queen is just down the road from us. So um, we usually have to keep our door like the, uh, what is it, like a bolt lock? Deadbolt. Deadbolt, yeah. A deadbolt. We have to keep that locked and we have to have a key to use it because our son likes to run outside without asking or saying anything. And... He doesn't really know what danger is, so we just have to lock him inside. Um, so Scotty leaves. I didn't lock the door because he was going to be just right back. Yeah. So um, he goes to my room to play or whatever, and I was doing my makeup at the kitchen table, and I can see the kitchen from where I'm sitting, um, which is where the, the back door is, which is the door we always use to go in and out of the house. Um, I'm doing my makeup. I'm like, you know, minding my own business. I'm listening out for him. And all of a sudden, I feel like I hear the water in the bathroom running. Mm -hmm. So I get up to go check. And when I went through the kitchen, I noticed that the back door was wide open. (gasps) So I was only wearing a flannel and like underwear. (laughs) So I ran outside and I'm screaming. his. Oh, yeah. Panicking. I do not see him. I do not hear him. Oh, and my God. My heart is like, dude, uh, my heart has probably never beat that fast in my entire life. Um, so I, <sighs> there's an abandoned house right next to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, you know, maybe he ran up there because he does that sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I just ran inside really fast to put on some pants because, like, if I'm going to be, you know, searching my neighborhood, I need some <laughs> pants on. So I literally grabbed, like, the first pair of pants I saw. And I put them on. I ran back outside. I don't even have shoes on. And I am screaming his name. I am looking at that abandoned house. I run to the front yard. I don't see him anywhere. Oh, I don't see him my anywhere. God. And dude, like, I'm hyperventilating. I am sobbing. I am about to call 911 because I can't find my child. Um, next door to me is, like, a business. And there was somebody out there, like, weed-eating the grass. And I was like, certainly if, if a little baby ran <laughs> down there, he would, you know. See say, him. Yeah. Or be or, like, well, what the hell? Or do something about it, right? Because yeah. Titus is definitely, he looks like a little kid. Like yeah. A, like a child child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a baby child. Um, So that kind of gave me a little solace just to think like maybe he didn't come up here yeah so i round my house and i'm going up the driveway and i see his head (laughs) in his dad's jeep because his dad took my car to dairy queen Uh i run to the jeep i 
fling that door open and I say, Titus, you can't do that. You scared mommy. And I am sobbing, dude. And like, usually if I'm crying, Titus is just like, well, that's weird. Why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. Like, he just ignores it. But it scared him. And he like gave me a hug and he like held on to me. And um, because when I first opened it, he was smiling like, Uh look what I'm doing, mommy. This is so fun. Yeah. And I think he really understood that my reaction was genuine and just terrified yeah and dude i literally like was hyper it took me forever to calm down from that Uh, so he was just playing and scotty just playing in the jeep which i'm thankful for it could have been a lot worse but he loves doing that like playing in cars i know he's so weird (laughs) oh god that's so horrifying i yeah oh yeah just thinking about it like my stomach's in my throat i genuinely thought i lost my kid and you know we 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 run a true crime podcast so i'm thinking he got taken by (sighs) a fucking pedophile or something (sighs) or a sex trafficker and Mm. i was still shaking about it on my way here (laughs) like it was so bad well i am so glad he's okay i miss that baby me too Oh, so that's your fund for the day. Yeah, it's enough for the month, <laughs> the year. <laughs> I've done a whole lot of nothing really this weekend. Worked, 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 and just been laying around lazy. So I think that's what I did too. I was super sick Friday. I thought I was. I thought I had mono again. Corona. That's how bad I felt. <laughs> but <laughs> apparently, it was a sinus <clears throat> infection because I took a Z pack, and I feel like almost one hundred percent better. So yeah, you seem fine. Yeah. I guess it was like a 24-hour sinus infection. Is that a thing? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Oh, yeah. I also took Titus to my grandparents' house, and they um, have a lot of land, so he can just run free. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you what he said. So he was running from um, one side of the yard to the other side of the yard, which is like a long way. Mm -hmm. And then he ran back to me. And for those of you who don't know my son is four and he just now started like you know being able to express some things verbally Mm -hmm. and he told me titus run titus run titus run and he was like pointing to all the different places he ran and then he came back and he was saying that to me and then he was just smiling so big and i was like he's he was saying hun instead of run so i I was like what are you saying titus hun Uh and then i realized he was saying run Mm -hmm. and it just i don't know it made me happy that he like understood what he was doing every time he says something new it's just like ah i know that's so amazing he's a good boy Yes, he except slept. for when he runs out of the house when you're doing your makeup. And, you know, that, I really blame myself for that because I should have just locked the door. But I knew that when Scotty came home and the door was locked and he had, you know, an armful of food, yeah. he was going to be agitated. So. Well, Titus took that opportunity and ran with it. Yeah, he <laughs> literally. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> All right, well, what are you covering today, Brooke? So today I am covering a super tragic case, um, one that just really pulls at my heartstrings. Um, I will be discussing the Hart family. Um, And I guess we'll just delve right into this. There's really no opener. I mean, it is what it is. So uh, basically, so uh, Jen and Sarah Hart, a white lesbian couple, and their six black adopted children, Marcus, who is 19, Hannah, 16, Devante, 15, 
Abigail 14, Jeremiah 14, and Sierra 12 were often lovingly referred to as the Heart Tribe. But on Monday, March 26, 2018, at 3.38 p.m., a German tourist called police from the Wan Creek Crossing on California's Scenic Highway 1. She had spotted something terrifying, a brown SUV upside down at the bottom of a cliff in the Pacific Ocean. Oh, my gosh. So was this a freak accident or was it something more sinister? As news erupted about this bizarre finding, the entire country wanted to know. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Jean Hart and Sarah Margaret Gingler were both from South Dakota. The women attended Northern State University in Aberdeen, South, uh, South Dakota, both of them majoring in elementary education. Mm. The women began their lesbian relationship at the university. On Facebook, Jennifer stated that the women were initially closeted and faced severe criticism once they publicly outed themselves. That's sad. Which forced them to move several times just to get away. What year was this? Uh, So, uh, well, the couple moved to Alexandria, Minnesota in 2004. So this is, you know, early on in their relationship. So, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, in 2005, Sarah asked the local court to have her family name um, changed to uh, Jennifer's. So she became Sarah Hart. Right. Um, they then became the Harts. Jen and Sarah went to Connecticut to be married in 2009 um, because at this time, sig- same-sex marriage was not legal yet in right. every state. So it was just a few. Didn't that become legal like in I feel like 17? it was not long ago. Yeah. But I guess it was in certain states for a while. Right. That's so sad. It is. It gets the 21st century. I know. Like, get over it. So they later moved to West Lynn, Oregon, and finally bought and settled down in a two-story home on two acres in Clark County, Washington. Ooh, two acres. In May of 2017. Um, at this time, the women cut themselves off from nearly all relatives. They were just super uh, private. Didn't want or was anybody it from, like, judgment? Do you know? Uh, probably both. Yeah. You know? I would do the same thing. Yeah. So the Hearts fostered a teenage girl prior to adopting their six children. Um, the six children were, were two sets of siblings. So oh, okay. three and three. A week before some of their adoptive children were due to arrive, the Hearts dropped their 15-year-old female foster child off at, at a therapist appointment, and the fer- therapist, I said therapist, the therapist <laughs> informed the young girl that the Hearts would not be coming back to get her, saying that they just weren't a good fit. That's heartbreaking. I wonder if they weren't a good fit or if they just didn't agree with their lifestyle. Well. What do you mean? Who didn't agree? Like the therapist. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't. The, the hearts did this intentionally. Oh, wait. The hearts said that she couldn't come? Correct. Back? Oh, okay. Because I was Because she wasn't a good fit for them. I, Isn't that heartbreaking? I understand it, though. I think that... You don't just drop your child that you've been fostering off and say, like, good luck to you. Oh, no, no. You don't do that. But I do <laughs> understand, like, if you have a foster kid and, like, they're not a good fit mm-hmm. then i do think that 
they would be in in better care with somebody else. You know what I, I mean? I mean, I understand that, but I just feel like foster children already go so much. And then to be basically discarded, like, you know, we don't want you either, you know? That, well, I mean, it's sad, but I mean, also like if you have a kid that you cannot click, you cannot yeah. control you or not control, but you know, they're not going to listen to you and your life is, you know, not getting you know it's getting worse and their life isn't Mm -hmm. getting better then yeah I do think that they need to find I I do think when it comes to foster children or you know children that you adopt I mean it is trial and error just like with Mm. anything else yeah uh documents say that they provided foster care for the girl who was removed from their home in February 2006 because of her quote suicidal idealizations and threats The couple were planning to adopt and said that they, quote, didn't want that negative energy to impact their children. Okay, I don't think that's a reason. Like, just get her some help. Exactly. Don't just leave her with her therapist. Like, a kid who's, like, physically harming you or your other children. Yeah, I think that's... If she's suicidal, it's probably because the poor girl has had such a shit life. So much trauma. Yeah. So, now about the adopted children. Uh, There was Abigail, who was born in 2003, Hannah Jean, born in 2002, and Marcus Hart, who was born in 1998. These three were placed with the Hearts from Colorado, Colorado County, Texas, on March 4th, 2006. Their formal formal (laughs) adoption took place that September. In June 2008, the Hearts adopted three more children. Sierra, who was 18, Devante, who was 19, and Jeremiah, who was 12. These three were from Houston, Texas. Their biological mother lost custody as she had substance abuse problems with crack cocaine. Each of these children had a different biological father. They were given to their aunt under the condition that they have no contact with her biological mother. However, the aunt allowed the biological mother to babysit the children, which a caseworker observed. As a result of this, the aunt lost custody, and she attempted to then obtain permanent custody of the children, but the courts denied her from doing that. So... um, This is something that went very public, some of you may remember, Um, but in 2014, during a protest in Portland, Devontae Hart, who was 12 years old at the time, came into the national spotlight when he was photographed as he embraced a police officer. Do you remember this image? Oh yeah, that that image is actually the reason why I even know this case because I saw it going viral Mm -hmm. and then I saw somebody posting article after article about why that photo is so terrible. Yeah, so this image became known at that time as the hug felt around the world. Everybody, it just like touched their hearts, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So if you look now at this haunting photograph, I believe that this hug was a genuine uh, moment of safety for Devante, um, where he felt love 
unlike what he was used to at home. And we'll find out why a little bit later. I read that he was forced to do it. Well, yes. Okay, I didn't know if you were going to get to that. The okay. mothers were very manipulative and yeah. wanted attention. Right. Um, but I think this baby needed that hug for, for more reasons than we could have even comprehended at the time. Right. I don't, but from the article I read about it, I read a couple articles. It was like the, uh, the boy didn't want to do it. The mother like kept forcing him like, you have to hug him. You have to mm-hmm. blah, 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 want to take a picture. And he kept refusing and refusing and refusing. And so and like the look on his face was like basically i'm being forced to do this see i didn't read that i did read that he was crying before the hug Mm -hmm. um and that several people said that they saw that yeah um but i think a lot of like he held a sign at this protest and it said like free hugs and things like that i think a lot of that was set up yeah by one of the mothers um just because you'll learn later this family was all about show right um but I don't know if that's the case, like he was forced to hug the police officer or not. Maybe. I'll try and find that article again yeah. later, but From I'm what pretty I sure re- that's what I read. Okay. Well, yeah. that's possible. Um, so unfortunately, as this tragic story unfolded, we all started learning of a trail of child abuse allegations across three states towards the Hart children. In 2018, while the family was living in Minnesota, Hannah Hart's teacher noticed bruises on her left arm. Oh, no. And when Hannah was asked about it, she said that she had been hit by Jennifer with a belt. Questioned, Jen and Sarah said that the child had fallen down the stairs in their house a few days before. The woman also told the officials that the child was adopted and having, quote, food issues, and that she was stealing food at school or eating out of garbage cans or eating off of the floor. Persuaded by the hearts, the police closed the case. That's fucked up. I just don't see a kid lying about that. Exactly, exactly. So within months, all six children had been pulled out of the public school system for a year. See, that's a red flag too. There's a lot of red flags in this story, and I feel like in many ways these children were failed Um, Yeah, I'm sure. And it's honestly probably because they were black. Yeah, sadly. It's so sad. Yeah, I agree with you. So in 2010, Abigail Hart said that she had, quote, owies on her back and stomach. She said that the incident was over a penny. Abigail said that she had found it, but Sarah and Jennifer did not believe her. According to Abigail, Jennifer held Abigail's head under cold water and hit her. When police got involved, all children claimed that they had been spanked constantly and deprived of food. Sarah took responsibility for the abuse, pled guilty to assault, and was sentenced to community service for a year. Just community service? Just community service, and they got to keep the children. What the fuck? What year was this? Uh, 2010. Uh Uh-uh. White privilege. Yeah, and see, that just goes to show that, like... You can abuse your children and get community service. Not just that, but, you know, I think in 2010, even as... I mean, that was 10 years ago, but to me, it still seems pretty recent. But I do feel like there's still a lot of hate toward, you know, homophobics and Mm -hmm. whatnot. And Mm -hmm. for them to get away with that, that back then... 
even though homophobia was so prevalent, I think that's so shocking and says a lot Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for these poor children. Absolutely. Well, if you look at these women and you look at these photographs and you look, you know, at these trips they would take, if you didn't know any better, if you didn't know the story, you would think they were the perfect family. They had everyone fooled. I mean, just, um, we'll talk a little bit about that shortly. But um, uh, so, as I said, she pled guilty to the abuse and was sentenced to community service. Um, The Hearts often complained about getting funny looks from neighbors and fellow churchgoers. And they claimed that the kids were picked on at school. One year later, Hannah reported reportedly told a school nurse that she had not eaten all day. So this is just constant. These children are reporting this and nothing's being done. So Sarah claimed that Hannah was just playing the food card and recommended that Hannah just be given water. Around this time, all six children were taken out of public schools and were homeschooled from then on. So isn't that just kind of crazy? Every time the kids say something at school, we're going to pull them out. So in 2013, authorities in Oregon had begun their own investigation into the Hart family after being notified about the allegations in Minnesota. It seems like they were kind of just following them, you yeah. know, which is great. Yeah. So this investigation included separate interviews of everyone in the family, as well as interviews of people who knew the family. Two family friends <clears throat> said that the children were forced to raise their hands before speaking could not wish each other a happy birthday and could not laugh at the dinner table. <laughs> what? Horrible. There were other reports that, ch- that the children were poorly fed and looked small for their ages. And I will say this, I'll be posting pictures of the family, but I've seen tons and tons of pictures. And before I really researched and looked into this story, I had no idea that these children were preteens and teenagers. They all looked like they were like elementary school students. Oh my gosh. I would have had no idea. Yeah. I mean, several of the children are grown adults. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. So a family friend um, also reported that Jen had ordered pizza for the children, but each was only allowed to have a very small slice. When Jen discovered that the pizza was gone, she punished the children by not feeding them breakfast and forced them to lie in their beds for five hours. How can you do that? Why are you even adopting children? Like, you obviously hate them. Exactly. I'll tell you why. Money. That's why you get state funds when you adopt children yeah but also taking i feel like taking care of six children even in general that would just be probably more expensive than what you're getting exactly um so this woman the friend that uh saw you know the pizza thing and them being forced to lie in their beds for five hours called oregon's child abuse hotline good The screener assigned the report to a caseworker, and yet again, the family was investigated for child abuse. I'm just wondering, like, why in the fuck do you guys still have these children at this point? Yeah. Like, horrible. So the mothers agreed to have the children evaluated by a doctor. But months passed before they were all seen. 
this physician concluded that compared to normal ranges of height and weight, <clears throat> all of the children were fall, far too small for their ages, but she wrote in her reports that she had no concerns about their well-being, and she said that the children were intelligent for their age. <clears throat> I, okay, if one of the kids, or maybe two of the kids were like that, right. I think that would be more acceptable maybe but, believable yeah, but, but all of them yeah. and especially because you know a lot of these kids have different fathers mm-hmm. and you know it just it doesn't make genetically it doesn't make sense it doesn't at all uh friends of the family said that the children acted scared to death of jen and that they were like trained robots Oh, my gosh. However, the interviews of the children themselves revealed no new incidents of abuse, nor did they mention anything that had happened in Minnesota. Yeah, they were probably fucking scared. I'm sure. So when Jen was interviewed, she claimed that any family problems were the results of others not being tolerant to lesbian mothers with six African-American children. In the end, the investigation could not conclude whether the hearts were guilty of anything or whether there was a safety threat. Sounds like bullshit. Our Sounds like people so aren't doing fucked. their job. It, it's so scary to think about like these officers that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing to protect these people and these children. Like mm-hmm. so many times we read cases like this where stuff is just like swept under the rug and murders could have been prevented. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch that documentary about Gabriel? Fernan- uh, was it Fernandez? For, Fernandez. Fernandez or Fernandez. I can't remember which one. I did not because that story and I'd like one of us to cover it eventually, but it is so hard for me to stomach. I watched it and I cried the whole entire yeah, time. I just couldn't. I I couldn't. Ugh. It's insane to me mm-hmm. how that kind of thing can be swept under the rug. Is this the one? Is he the one that was fed to the pigs? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the one that got his mom and stepfather would lock him in a cabinet, and uh, and it's so sad because he had siblings. Is he and the one that they would, like, put outside in the pool? No, that's, um, I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember. That one needs to be covered because, oh, my God. Yeah, this one, he died because his stepdad, like, beat the shit out of him. And he, <sighs> he was in the hospital for a while, like, you know, on life support pretty much. And he just eventually passed away. And, like, teachers reported, you know, bruises on him. And, <sighs> like, obvious, like, you know, huge black eyes or, like, his whole face face would just be covered in like burn marks and that kind of thing and somehow or another you know social workers were just like oh it's normal yeah that's a normal thing that is just sick yeah so um the hart family moved to woodland in 2017 in August of that year, Hannah Hart jumped out of her bedroom window at around 1.30 a.m. to try to contact her next-door neighbors, the DeCabs. She pleaded with them, please don't make me go back. They're racists and they abuse us. She was missing two teeth and was so thin that they thought the teenager was only six or seven years old. Soon afterwards, Jen and Sarah found Hannah and brought her back home. 
Jen later attempted to explain this by saying that Hannah was lying and that the children occasionally acted out because they were crack babies and that Hannah's biological mother was bipolar. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mr. Cab, who was 59, the neighbor, said she was so convincing. Thankfully, the DeKalb family still reported this incident to the authorities. Good. I was about to say, I don't care how convincing somebody sounds. If yeah. somebody's child is running to my house oh. in the middle of the night telling me all this stuff, yeah. I'm reporting it 100%. Absolutely. But here again, how many times have we been reported? Yeah. You know? And these children are still with these monsters. So after this incident, the DeCabs were also in contact with Devonte Hart, who was the one that hugged the police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, they said he was constantly begging for food and asking the DeCabs not to tell Jen about these requests. In later conversations with Devonte, he told them that his mother's withheld f- food as a punishment and that the children were sometimes abused. This, combined with the earlier incident with Hannah, made the DeKalb's report the hearts to Child Protective Services. CPS workers tried to contact the hearts twice, once on March 23, 2018, three days before the crash, and once the day of the crash. So on March 26, 2018, Jennifer and Sarah Hart murdered all six of their children when Jennifer Hart drove the family SUV over a 100-foot cliff on California State Route 1 in Mendocino County, California. My God. As Jen drove, Sarah was busy with Google searches. And this is what her Google searches said. How easily can I overdose on over-the-counter medications? Can 500 milligrams of Benadryl kill a 125-pound woman? How long does it take to die from hypothermia while drowning in a car? One of her last searches was for a no-kill dog shelter. The family's two dogs were never found at a shelter or elsewhere, giving reasonable doubt that they were probably in the family's SUV at the the time of the crash. Mm -hmm. Sarah continued these Google searches until 6.30 p.m. that night. Right after these Google searches, Sarah would delete each search from her phone. When when highway (laughs) patrol officers arrived to the scene of the accident, they found the SUV Jennifer... They found the SUV. Jennifer Hart was at the wheel and her wife Sarah was trapped between the roof and the seats in the back. Both were dead. Within three weeks, authorities would find the remains of four of the Hart's six children. Marcus, who was 19, Jeremiah, who was 14, Abigail, who was 14, and Sierra, who was 12. All of them, of course, were dead as well. They eventually discovered the skeletal remains inside a woman's shoe and announced that they belonged to 16-year-old Hannah. Devante has never been found, but is presumed dead. And were they all in the car, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. All of them were. So they were found, like, in the ocean? Basically, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I read something about that none of the family had seatbelts on, if I'm not mistaken. It, not that it would have helped anything, but right. at least maybe their bodies would have stayed in the car. Um, they had driven hundreds of miles. What, did they, like, have the windows down or something? I, I mean... I, or did the windows break? Yeah, that's a long fall. I would yeah. imagine everything was just crushed, kind of. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 
Um, so they had driven hundreds of miles before ending up at this final destination. A superior court ruled that Devonte was in the vehicle at the time of the crash and a death certificate was signed on April 3rd, 2019. But again, his body has never been found, which God, there's like part of me that's like praying. Maybe he's out so there alive. somewhere, you or, know, yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> So authorities found that the SUV had been intentionally driven off the cliff and found no skid marks to indicate sudden acceleration or braking, according to a search warrant affidavit. The car had a black box that recorded parameters of the drive and fall. A 14-member coroner's jury unanimously ruled the case a murder-suicide. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. I would say so. So initially, of course, all these news reports are thinking, like, this has got to be an accident, right? Like, they wouldn't do this, like, you know, until we start realizing who the hearts actually were. Right. Uh, So toxicology results showed that at the time of the crash, Jennifer, who was driving, was drunk, and that Sarah Hart and two of the children had large amounts of Benadryl in their systems. Sarah Hart consumed a minimum of 43 doses of Benadryl, while the three children, or three children, I'm sorry, well, three, I'm not sure now if it was two of the children or three, because I've got it two different ways, so I screwed up there, (laughs) but uh, two or three of the children would have uh, several times the normal dosage, and in Marcus's case, the equivalent of 19 doses. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, they had to have been unconscious, I would I would hope. I hope so. Oh, my God, I hope so. <clears throat> I mean, one Benadryl fucks me up. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm at 43, and for a child, 19. Insane. That's, you, I, I, I would almost think you might be dead before then, you know? Yeah. So, as we later figured out, <clears throat> and I'm sure you all are, Figuring out at this point, the family's living situation didn't always match what Jennifer Hart wrote in her well-liked post on Facebook. Mm -hmm. She was super, super active on Facebook and was constantly doting on her wife and the children. Um, And she loved discussing the family's vegetarian lifestyle. She even once posted a picture of Sierra smiling as she was holding a bunch of kale bigger than her head. When Clark County investigators went into the home after the crash in March, they found the family's fridge stocked with hot dogs, ham, large packs of chicken breasts, and a large roll of ground beef. Like, just lies. Mm -hmm. Constant lies. The family freezer had hot dogs, corn dogs, frozen tilapia, and pizza snack rolls in it. It's a lot of hot dogs. Yeah, hot dogs. They love some hot dogs. Well, whatever. (laughs) They're also, like, super cheap. Well, you know, I don't understand, like, why lie about small shit like that. Like, we're vegetarians. We're, you know, what is the point? I don't know. So a close friend told the uh, Oregon Live weeks after the crash that Jennifer Hart didn't drink, but that Sarah Hart did occasionally. Police photos of the home show 17 bottles of wine displayed on kitchen counters. The couple also had a container of recreational marijuana and a small pipe on a dresser in their bedroom. Neighbors all said that the family appeared to keep to themselves and didn't seem to have guests. Jennifer Hart's social media posts on Facebook and Instagram portrayed a picture-perfect family that kept their children away from electronic screens in favor of camping, gardening, reading books, and caring for animals. 
Her posts seem to show a happy multiracial family living right out of a fairy tale. Uh, she portrayed an environmental conscious, vegan, close-knit, loving family who enjoyed long heights and hikes and music festivals. But they're all eating hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, I know. And beating their children. Right. I mean. So uh, Jen wrote in May of 2013, uh, shortly after the family moved to Oregon, and said on Facebook, traded in the television for the best big screen available, planet Earth. Uh, uh, okay, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so... A former family friend thought that the media representation was just an act. The friend said, Jennifer does things like this for her Facebook page, where the kids pose and are made to look like one big happy family. But after the photo event, they go right back to looking lifeless. Mm-hmm. Oh, she just, she, it was literally just all fake. Yeah. <clears throat> So the police found a large screen TV in the family's living room and a tablet and a laptop in the home. The family turned up very few indications that six children were being raised there. Oh, my God. And I will post pictures of the home as well. It's like you would not think children live there. The home contained only one twin bed for them. Six kids, one twin bed. Okay. The parents had a double bed. Another bedroom contained two foam love seats and a padded mat where police believe some of the children may have slept. The third bedroom held the twin bed. Six kids, a twin bed, a padded mat. My God. Yes. Those poor babies. Heartbreaking. Um, <clears throat> the chest freezers in the family's home were filled with lunch meat, tortillas, and copious amounts of bread. They found the home clean and orderly, except for some dirty dishes in the kitchen sink and some clothes piled around the house. Investigators did find school supplies, board games, and a small library filled with Harry Potter, Twilight, and other young adult novels. No family photos were display on display anywhere in the house. I mean, I only I don't really have any in my house either. <laughs> but yeah that's yeah but as much as this woman like posted on facebook mm-hmm. and act like this big fan like most family homes have photographs of their children i mean i do have one like p- picture collage of titus's birth like when he was you know yeah first born but other than that i don't really have any i just i feel like that's very weird for a family that like to pretend that they were so family oriented you know Um, So there were no keepsakes, posters, or other personal objects that indicated that children and teenagers lived in the bedrooms. Well, see, Titus's room is filled with his own You would know that a kid lived there in a second. (laughs) (laughs) What is that supposed to mean? mean, Depends. (laughs) (laughs) She's referring to the mess in my house. Oh, whatever. (laughs) Well, usually, I mean, it's very, I mean, he's. uh, There's trains everywhere is what she means. Exactly. Exactly. Everywhere. (laughs) there's trains hidden across brooks house too oh yeah i find titus toys constantly i'm like oh there's titus (laughs) he loves to leave little pieces of him everywhere he goes including a sucker that he stuck to one of brooks sweaters in In my closet (laughs) and then i remember him having that sucker there and then this was like months and months and months later brooks sends me a picture of a lollipop stuck stuck to to a sweater (laughs) and she was like Uh, hi titus (laughs) 
I literally said out loud. I like went to pull it out and I see this sucker and I'm like, hey, Titus. <laughs> I just knew instantly. He was saving you a snack for later. That was very sweet of him. <laughs> So uh, the investigation found that money was tight and that the adopted children were money money makers. Ding, ding. Mm -hmm. According to records found at the scene, two of the children yielded the family payments of about $11,000 a year from a man who identified as the stepfather in their birth family. Jennifer Hart was a stay-at-home parent who homeschooled the children, and Sarah Hart earned about $45,000 a year as an assistant manager at Kohl's. So it's not like they were well off. Right. Well, see, and that's what I'm saying, too. Like, you can't be getting that much money from, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, like, Titus gets disability benefits, and it's Mm -hmm. like nothing. Well, here's a little bit more about what they were getting. So the couple also appeared to bring in around $41,000 in a typical year for payments intended for the children's well-being. So, Oh, so, okay, so they you said 41000 Yeah. So they're getting like $90,000 a year and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, if we're thinking, you know, Sarah's income, mm-hmm. that and the eleven grand they were getting, they're making about hundred grand a year, yeah. which still with six kids, it, it's not that much. I mean, it's a nice living wage, but I mean, my that's you know close to what you know my parents brought in when I was a kid, and I we think you lived, almost have to when you have a family that big. Yeah, we led pretty comfortable lives, yeah. and that we were there were six of us, so yeah, yeah. good. So um, the women had accumulated more than twenty one thousand dollars in credit card debt, according to documents from Clark county so they must not have been doing so hot to put all that on credit cards or they just may be bad at money management possible so uh the days prior to the accident were probably turbulent and very unpleasant yeah um the washington uh, state department of social and health services received yet another call reporting that the Hart children appeared to be potential victims of alleged abuse or neglect. Again, the accusation of withholding food was made. The state's DSHS tried unsuccessfully to contact the family on three different occasions, which I spoke about earlier. Um, One was being the day before the crash or twice the day before the crash and one the day of the crash. If I was... If I worked for CPS, my ass would be at their house every single day mm-hmm. till I talked to somebody. Mm-hmm. I would send in something to make them talk to me. Exactly. I'm going to bust in that door. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, um, the DSHS card was still tucked in the door, which is a little strange because either no one went out the front door mm-hmm. or it was put back into place. Right. So we know that the family pretty much left immediately after DSHS had made contact. Um, they didn't pack clothes or toothbrush, toothbrushes and seemed to be in a big hurry. Um, so what's kind of a mystery here is why did this particular DSHS visit trigger such a huge reaction from Jen and Sarah? Um, was there something else going on? Some speculated that Devante, whose body is still missing today, maybe was murdered and buried somewhere on the property. 
but the police checked the area with cadaver dogs and didn't find anything. Maybe not even on the property, but maybe somewhere, somewhere else. else. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they were like... he was the like, oldest, right? No, he was not. No. Oh, okay. Who was uh, the oldest? Marcus was the oldest. He was 19. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that could be a very real mm-hmm. assumption. Yeah. Um, you know, they're like, well, shit, we're missing a kid now. What do we do? Yeah, you know? like, I can't really lie about that. Yeah. So, who knows? But, or maybe it just all kind of caught up to them, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like... We got it. I don't know, but why not just off your damn selves? That's what I ask about these family annihilators. Like, why do you take your innocent children with you? Yeah, like, you just kill yourself. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know. I don't get it. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Honestly, what a what a way to do it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, in closing, um, I read that investigators had initially falsely reported that Jennifer Hart drove the family's GMC Yukon off the cliff at 90 miles per hour. Oh, my God. But, in fact, she had accelerated to just 20 miles per hour. California Highway Patrol Officer Timothy Roloff testified. That took her three seconds from a standing stop near the cliff. And then she pressed the gaddle, uh, the, the gaddle, <laughs> pressed the gas pedal to 100% throttle, he said. And only went 20? She was going 20, and then she stopped oh. and then pressed, uh, pressed it to 100% gotcha. okay. throttle. And uh, off they went. And that was all for the Hart family. Poor babies. Um, so many questions here. Why? Why? We still really don't know, you know, uh, was it financial issues? Was it, you know, look, I know these children are about to get taken and nobody's going to have these kids but us. You know, if, if one of those situations like, you know, if we can't have them, nobody can. Um, was it that they were so entirely stressed out by this lifestyle that they chose for themselves that, I mean, what was this? Maybe what? they just didn't want to go to prison. Maybe they'd rather die. Kill the children and themselves. Mm-hmm. And and clearly, these are two manipulative, abusive, piece of shit women. Yeah. You know, we know this now. Um, but I don't know. I, I just, I don't know why take the poor kids with you, you know? Well, I don't they think that, that people who, who kill really have much logic. Yeah. Well, it sounds to me... I. I it sounds to me like it was a, a process that wasn't given a lot of thought. Or you know what also could have been? If everything is a show for them, mm-hmm. maybe they didn't want it to come out that they were these horrible, neglectful, abusive pieces of shit. So they thought if we just all die, then, then nobody will ever know. Well, yeah, that's true. And I think that completely went the opposite way if that was their thoughts. Y- yeah, we all know. Yeah. So good job, like, not covering up your fucking tracks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. Um that's a tough one for me, but uh, I'll be posting the pics, you guys, so keep an eye out. I'd like to see them. I haven't seen them. Okay. Yeah. Do you oh. want me to pause it? Or? Yeah, I need to take a bathroom break. Okay, well, I'll be back. This episode is sponsored by Gemini Sweets. Gemini Sweets is a one-woman gig out of Covington, Georgia, Amber Hillegeist runs a at-home-based bakery. She specializes in gourmet cupcakes and edible cookie dough. 
Gemini Sweets recently started offering cupcake pull-apart cakes and doggy birthday cakes. They also offer a monthly cupcake subscription box. Gemini Sweets has been featured in Voyage Atlanta. Check out the article at voyageatl.com. Follow them on Facebook at Gemini Sweets and on Instagram at Gemini Sweets LLC. Or you can place an order by calling 770-840-5241. So a few months back, Amber held a contest for Newton County's favorite local business, to which she awarded a dozen cupcakes to the winner. My tattoo shop won with flying colors. Let me just tell you, these cupcakes melted in your mother freaking mouth. Holy cow. <laughs> Again, you can find them on Facebook at Gemini Sweets. Follow their Instagram at Gemini Sweets LLC or call their number 770-840-5241. Welcome back, guys. Uh, so today I am doing a Halloween-themed case. It took place on Halloween, and I know there are there's a different, more popular serial killer nicknamed the Candyman, but this guy is also nicknamed the Candyman. Is there actually a serial killer named that? I know there's a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he oh. uh, he killed a lot of people, oh. which I will be covering eventually. But um, uh, cool. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I know about the movie, but I didn't know there was an actual serial killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what he did, hmm. honestly. But I yeah, I do know of him. Okay. Um, this man is also <laughs> referred to as the man who ruined Halloween. Oh. Um, and his name was Ronald Clark O'Brien. All right. So the story takes place on Halloween night in 1974 in Deer Park, Texas. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure the other Candyman was in Texas, too. Okay. Um, his eight-year-old son, Timothy O'Brien, and f- uh, five-year-old daughter, Elizabeth O'Brien, were out trick-or-treating with Ronald Clark O'Brien and their neighbor, Jim Bates, and Jim Bates's young son. Um, obviously, because it's Halloween, the kids were excited as they went door to door getting a, vari- a variety <laughs> of candy from different houses um, until they came across a house that the, all the lights were off. Mm-hmm. But they decided to, you know, knock on the door anyways, you know, just to see if they could get candy from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody answered. So the group kind of turned around and you know went towards the next house mm-hmm. um and that's when ronald o'brien um met back with the group and he was like hey um right after you guys left like they just kind of stuck their arm out the door and handed me this handful of pixie sticks mm-hmm. and so the kids were like yay cool you know pixie sticks and so they continued their night trick-or-treating sorry if you guys heard that uh Unfortunately, they had to stop trick-or-treating because it started to rain. So, Ronald quickly took his children home. And, um, you know, after they got ready for bed, Ronald allowed Timothy to pick a candy of his choosing to eat before he went to sleep that night. Mm-hmm. And Timothy chose the pixie stick. Um, Timothy had trouble opening the tube. 
so his dad had to help him um and then when timothy tried to like you know take a big old swallow of the powder it was like stuck in there hmm. so ronald had to help him dislodge it and timothy you know took in a giant mouthful of candy mm-hmm. and this is when he started complaining about it being very bitter mm. like not what he knew a pixie stick to taste like yeah so his dad ran to the kitchen got him some kool-aid to help him like you know wash the taste out of his mouth Mm -hmm. and only a few moments later timothy was you know throwing up oh my profusely. yeah uh so he called an ambulance and um timothy was pronounced dead at the hospital and this all took um place in less than an hour of him eating the pixie stick yeah shit so, um, Dr. Joseph, who was the chief medical examiner in a nearby, nearby, nearby county was called to do an autopsy on Timothy. Cause I mean, this eight year old just randomly died, you yeah. know, um, Mike Hinton, who was the Harris County prosecutor had gotten a call from the, uh, Pasadena police saying that an eight year old boy had died. So Hinton told Dr. Joseph the entirety of the situation, which led the medical examiner to ask him what the little boy's breath smelled like. Mm-hmm. And a call to the morgue, they confirmed that there that there was a smell coming from the boy's mouth. Do you know what smell that was? What? You don't know? Uh, some kind of poison. It smelled like almonds. Almonds. Because cyanide smells like almonds oh i think it's like only 50 percent of people can smell it and if you can smell it it smells like almonds interesting yeah so after the autopsy the hunch that the almond smell was cyanide became a fact timothy had consumed enough cyanide to kill two people wow yeah that is terrible so thankfully The police were able to collect the other pixie sticks from the other kids who had been with Timothy that night. Wow. Yeah, before anyone else had met the same tragic fate as he did. They noted that whoever had given these kids the pixie sticks had stapled the tube shut after tampering with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, The staple is what saved the other kids from dying that night. They found a boy in bed with the tube in his hand. (gasps) But he was unable to open it by himself, and so I guess he just went to sleep and yeah. forgot about it. So whoever did this, you know, really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> so the police took Ronald back through the neighborhood so that he could point out which house had given him the handful of pixie sticks. But for whatever reason, Ronald couldn't remember which house it was. Oh. You know, so convenient. Yeah. Ronald said that he had never even seen the face of the person who had given them to him. Like, you know, he said that they just kind of stuck their arm out the door and dropped him some pixie sticks. Which I feel like is a random specific candy to give out on Halloween. Usually it's like Snickers or Or, little fun size candies. Or like a combination of a few things. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know how it was in the 70s, but. Yeah. uh, So investigators quickly became suspicious of ronald a few days went by and police began to become frustrated so they took ronald back out to the neighborhood and they were just more firm with him on like you know you need to find this house like you know you're 
son died yeah like he died yeah from a pixie stick that this house yeah gave you so obviously ronald couldn't be like oh i don't really know and he was able to lead them to the house the man who lived there wasn't home when the police knocked on the door so they went to his place of work at Houston's William Hobby, Hobby P. Airport and arrested him in front of all of his colleagues. Oh my gosh. Only this man had a solid alibi. He had been working that night. His wife and daughter had been home on Halloween night, but turned the lights off after they ran out of Halloween candy for the trick-or-treaters. Mm-hmm. Um, also, colleagues and timesheets further proved his alibi. Mm-hmm. So, this led the investigators to be suspicious of Ronald O'Brien again. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, Hinton noted that Ronald was angry at his relatives for not staying up the night of Timothy's funeral. And he was mad they didn't because apparently Ronald had written a song about Jesus and Timothy joining the Lord in heaven. And he wanted them to watch a recording of the performance being broadcast on television. What? So he was mad about that. Yeah. So that's pretty suspicious, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Police then discovered that Ronald had taken out life insurance policies back in January of that year on both of his children, which calculated to $10,000 per child and then a further $20,000 on each month leading to Halloween. Ooh. Yeah. That's a lot of money in the 70s, too. Yeah, and Ronald was in $100,000 worth of debt. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Um, debt does not mean kill your children, guys. Like, yeah, that makes no sense. Like, don't kill your kids because you're in debt. <sighs> so the day after Timothy's death at 9 a.m., investigators realized that Ronald had called his insurers to ask about the payout. So, literally, his son died Halloween night and 9 a.m. the very next day. No. He called about the payout. Wow. Wow. Like, okay. If you are going to kill your kid for their life insurance policy, like, at least wait, like, a few months. You know? Like. Mm. I mean, how any other parent whose child just died i feel like they would not have it together enough to call and ask questions like that i probably would not even remember that i had life insurance on my child right you know or if i did it would be to cover you know funeral costs exactly but i don't even know if i could call them myself you know? know it's crazy so a warrant was granted to the investigators to search Ronald's home in which they found a pair of scissors with plastic residue on them, which was similar to that found on the cyanide-laced pixie stick. Ronald was arrested and taken in for questioning. Apparently, Ronald was in school at a, communi- at a community college and would ask his professor... Prof- oh my, can I talk? <laughs> Okay, Ronald was in school at a community college and would ask his professor questions like, what is more lethal, cyanide or another type of poison? Hmm. It's weird. Yeah. Someone who worked for a a chemical company in Houston, Texas, told police that a man had come in to buy some cyanide. Cyanide. (laughs) Kill me. Kill me. This is why I always say homicide. Because I just can't read (laughs) cyanide you know like lemonade <laughs> oh sometimes i wonder if like I'm, kool-aid 
<laughs> like Jones juice. <laughs> I really do wonder if I'm dyslexic. <laughs> Texas put. You want to read this for me? <laughs> no, I want you to do your story. Okay. Uh, so, uh, someone who worked for a chemical company in Houston, Texas, told police that a man had come in to buy some cyanide, but left after being told the smallest amount they could sell him was five pounds, which I feel like <gasps> is a lot of cyanide. What? <laughs> so, oh, he was going to kill the whole damn neighborhood, it sounds like. So, I don't know if, like, that was too much, like oh. he didn't want to buy that much, or if that wasn't enough. Right. Well, I guess that's the smallest, so probably was like too much. Okay, you know? okay, like okay. He didn't want five pounds of cyanide. Okay, because that really is a lot. Okay, what is cyanide actually used for? I mean, I know it's a poison, but for what? I don't know. I mean, I know like pharmacies back in the day used to sell it, so I would assume it probably did have some kind of purpose. Are you going to Google kind of it? Medicinal use. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, I'm going to Google it. You, you talk. Okay. Um, but unfortunately, the man couldn't identify Ronald, but he did identify that the man had been wearing um, like a beige or blue smock, which mm-hmm. was something like a doctor would wear. And Ronald just so happened to be um, an optician. Mm. And it was exactly the uniform he wore to work. So that's you know i mean it's i guess uh circumstantial evidence but still like Mm -hmm. how many how much circumstantial evidence you know can there be against one person without it actually being them exactly um so this was before dna and they weren't able to trace the money that he used to buy the cyanide that yeah the cyanide (laughs) yeah cyanide or really put the pixie sticks on Ronald O'Brien so he maintained his innocence. Ronald entered a not guilty plea, blaming the tainted candy on some untraceable boogeyman who used Halloween in order to poison innocent children. Uh, but friends, family, and coworkers all testified against him. Oh, wow. So to me, that says a lot. Like, I wonder what this man was really like for all of his friends, family, and co-workers to testify against him. Mm-hmm. So, would you like to know what cyanide is found in? Yes. Kind of what it's used for? So, it's found in cigarette smoke, vehicle exhaust, and certain foods such as spinach, bamboo shoots, almonds, lima beans, fruit pits, and tapioca. Um it says some people are unable to smell cyanide. Other people can smell it at first, but then they get used to the odor. Um, it also says that uh, cyanide-containing compounds are used in pesticides, fumigants, plastics, electroplating, photo developing, and mining. Dye and drug companies also use cyanides. Um, and during water chlorination, cyanide cyanogen chloride may be produced at low levels so yeah okay none of that makes sense to me but well it's just kind of telling you what it's found in and and then there's you know the specific signs and symptoms of cyanide poisoning and how it reacts in the body so basically in low levels it is not lethal but clearly in high 
if you consume it in a very high level, you will die. I wonder how much a high level is. I don't know. Okay, so on June 3rd, 1975, Ronald O'Brien was found guilty on one charge of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. It only took the jury 46 minutes to come to that conclusion. And only an hour after that, they they decided on the death penalty, which would be execution by electric chair. Good. March 31st, 1984, Ronald O'Brien was finally put to death. While awaiting his execution, around 300 people stood outside of the Texas State Penitentiary, Penitentiary shouting trick-or-treat and throwing candy at anti-death protesters. Damn. (laughs) Damn. That's hilarious. That's like, you know, when Ted Bundy was executed, there were so many people, like, tailgating outside and Mm -hmm. were shouting, burn, Bundy, burn. Mm -hmm. I actually like that. (laughs) So there was always fear that children would receive candy with needles and razor blades in them. But Ronald O'Brien definitely heightened that fear. Okay. Um, you know, um, the article that I was reading, which I meant to put that source down, um, which I'm going to find that really fast, but I'm going to keep talking. Okay. Um, it said that basically, like, you know, when, you know, Halloween first well i guess it wasn't always halloween but you know back in the day it was about spirits Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing and so now that you know we've evolved over the years and you know we don't believe in like goblins and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing we fear criminals yeah and so more than monsters right so the um the fear has been placed with you know, what could happen with the candy. I mean, because you really are receiving candy from random people you do not know at all. That's why they say don't take candy from strangers. Okay, it was a it was a Vice article. Okay. Um, but after, like, there have been, like, psychologists and other people who have done research on it, and they have not found much evidence to suggest that parents need to worry about yeah. any of that happening like it's i think that's a very rare occurrence yeah like uh the article i was reading said that um they could not find a single case where somebody died mm-hmm. of um you know a candy poisoning mm-hmm. you know from a stranger on halloween or i think a lot of it's kind of that like urban legend you know yeah. what i mean or just natural mm-hmm. fear maybe know? that's something we should cover as urban legends that would be a good one yeah yeah we can do that that would be fun um, they, the only thing that they said that they really could find was there was somebody who had put some, you know, needles and some, uh, candy bars mm-hmm. and, um, nobody like ingested them, but it, it was found out because one of the people who had gotten one, uh, like pricked their finger Eek. on it, like while I guess it was still in the packaging Yeah, and, um, they called the authorities cause you know, who, who knows how many candy bars had them and you know kids had them Mm -hmm. um i still will always check titus's candy though because oh yeah you never know i do the same for my kids halloween gives me anxiety just because of that (laughs) i love halloween i do too but like the trigger like if i was i never went trick-or-treating as a kid because my parents wouldn't let us but 
you know, we've taken Titus every year mm-hmm. and every year, and by every year, I really mean last year because Titus wouldn't eat candy till last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it really gave me anxiety to give him the candy because I was like, what if though? Right. What if? So, I think that's ingrained in all parents' heads, you know? It definitely is, yeah. I think my mom said something about, she, when my mom found um, a needle in a candy apple she had gotten oh. when she was a kid, so... Did your par- did your parents trick or treat when they were children? Yes, but they wouldn't let you no. guys. <laughs> I don't understand it. Hmm. <laughs> and now they let Autumn and Silas trick or treat, but right, God forbid, we trick. What was that about? It was just they thought it was evil uh, or religious reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, they would take us trunk or treating at churches. <laughs> gotcha. So, and we never were allowed to dress up. Oh no! I know. I the first time I ever went trick or treating, I was sixteen. Yeah, and it was with um, a guy I was dating at the time, and his sister, and one of my friends, and it just it wasn't the same because I was sixteen. Yeah. You know what I you mean? You never got to experience like as a child, right? Oh. And I mean, I've gone trick or treating with Titus, you know, the past mm-hmm. couple of years. With yeah, us. but I'll never get to know that experience. So thank you, Mom and Dad. I know, Dad, you listen, so thank you. <laughs> and they were doing what they thought was best as parents. I know. I I actually genuinely don't care too much. It's not like it's ruined my life or right. whatever. They can do what they want with their children. I mean, you know what I mean. But that's really it. I mean, it was really short. I, um, I was going to cover a, a much longer case, but I didn't do my research last week and had to do it last minute and so i just wanted to you know do something more halloween themed but also kind of short mm-hmm. i like it though I, I, definitely interesting and I, I think that probably was kind of well probably one of the one of the starting uh cases that made parents so nervous yeah about that kind of thing and kind of probably started that urban legend yeah well the article i was reading it's like people always feared that but now that it was shown to be a reality yeah. it's like it became panic inducing you know what i mean so it sounds like he he put the cyanide in several of the pixie sticks yeah so his plan was to kill you know both of his children both of his children and the other kids that he gave the pixie sticks to oh my gosh yeah and um so he gave one to uh, Timothy, one to his daughter. He gave one to Jim Bates's two kids, and then one to a kid that he had recognized from the church that they go to. And so, I guess uh, he felt if they all died, it would be less likely to be connected to him. Right. It was just to cover him up, just like with the uh, copycat Tylenol murders. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. But it didn't work because uh, kids can't get giant staples out of tubes. So he was an idiot in more ways than one. Yep. Mm. Poor Timothy. I know. Very sad. He was only eight. And I've heard that dying by cyanide is a horrible death. I mean, you said within minutes he was vomiting. And I'm surprised the bastard even took him to the hospital. Well, he called on him because he was trying to make it seem like it wasn't him. Well, yeah. But... Um, he investigators were also saying that he obviously loved the int- the attention. And oh yeah, the I, spotlight, and so I feel like a lot of these monsters do. Of course they do. 
And it just further proves that they're not innocent. Mm -hmm. So, whatever. Mine was literally like 10 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. It was good. Well, um, I guess that's it. Um, Do you have any other announcements or anything? Uh, Yeah. um, Kind of. I'm not really sure how to word this exactly. But if you guys have listened to uh, our episodes or the last, uh, I don't know, I can't remember the first time I announced it. I think it was not last episode, but the episode before. um, I did a calendar shoot with my soul dog, Emery. And... uh, Basically, this is um, a calendar shoot that myself and 23 other models um, posed for, for this calendar for the 2021 year. Um, the nonprofit organization that we did this calendar for is called Wolfstock. Um All proceeds from these calendar sales will go to a local animal rescue called Walking Home Together. Um, You can get your calendar if you'd like to see me and my fur baby and all these super hot models with their fur babies um, from Sarah Villarreal. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, You can find her on Facebook. Um, I believe there's also a Facebook page called Wolfstock. Um, or just let me know if you're interested in getting one of the calendars. But as of yesterday, um, they were over halfway pre-sold out in the, uh, with these calendars. So they are nearly gone. If you want one, let us know. Um, we'll put you down for one. But yeah, I did want to share that because it was a very, uh, I just, I love nonprofit and things to save animals because animals are my heart. So yeah put that out there and that's pretty much it oh also if you guys have gotten a car decal if you guys would take a picture with Mm -hmm. it on your car and post it into the group we would love to see it and also i still have one decal left one so first to claim it gets it i will have it at the shop with me all week somebody come grab this thing we're not sending it though, right? No, we're Just not going to mail it out. Okay. It's pickup. So if somebody local wants a car decal to represent your favorite podcast, come get it from the Tashi shop. We actually had a lot of requests for those. So maybe eventually in the future we we'll can start more. selling them. Yeah. But thank you to everybody that got one. Yes, we appreciate your support and like your support enough to want to put it on your car. Yeah, that's like it huge. means the world to us. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, well, for God's sake, don't (laughs) drink the Jones juice. Cyanide.